Good evening, everyone. It's Friday night. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Uh, we are Newark United Pentecostal Church, and my name is Meg. I want to extend a warm welcome to everybody tonight. Thank you for joining us. Um, and to our first time guests, we certainly appreciate you giving us your time tonight, and we hope you enjoy our broadcast. Friday Night with Friends is just our casual chatting it up uh, with friends and family that we know and just having fun talking to one another and uh, sharing stories. Uh, there can be testimonies in there. There can be secrets. But, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what my friend, I have my friend uh, Fiona on with us tonight and I'll introduce her in just a moment. But I did want to welcome uh, everybody to find out more about us um, at newarkupc.info, where you can find out about small groups that we have. Uh, right now, we're broadcasting on our digital campus six nights a week at 7 p.m. That's Tuesday through Sundays at 7 p.m. We broadcast um, and Mondays we take off. But there's a lot more you can find out about us at newarkupc.info. You can submit prayer requests um, and share testimonies and praise, praise God, you know, in our best effort to provide a corporate uh, experience for us all as we are um, gathering together on our digital format. Um, but tonight is Friday night. I think a lot of us are still, still about a year later, still looking forward to a Friday night broadcast where we just have fun. And tonight I have brought on uh, my dear friend, Fiona. She can wave at us. I see she's still muted for now, just so that I can get our uh, intros here. But um, she's going to be sharing a little bit about herself and uh, her life in just a moment here. But first I want to give a, a formal introduction of Fiona. You know, when you ask someone, at least in, in our culture, North American culture, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. We always go to what we do, and that's not a bad thing, but that's only a, a part of who we are. But Fiona um, is a licensed professional counselor in private practice in St. Louis, Missouri. And she's been working in this area of mental health in various capacities. I know when I met Fiona, she, she was a social worker. So she's uh, worked in various uh, capacities since 1995. Um, she's been providing therapy services to children, teens and families since 2015. And she's a registered play therapist, uh, specializing in attachment disruption, trauma and utilizing digital tools in play therapy. Um, she's also currently under supervision to obtain ABCDEFG and certification HIJKLMNOP. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of letters there. So no, she could probably tell us more about that. But she is under supervision to continue uh, in her field gaining certifications. And um, as one of her dear friends, I feel like I only know just a, a scratching the surface uh, amount of information of what she's dived into professionally in play therapy. But um, before we get to, to that, I just wanted to say that I've known Fiona 
um, in my family. She's friends with my mom and, and my sister. And I met her back in 2005 is when I moved to St. Louis. Um, we met through school, Urshan Graduate School of Theology. She had already graduated. I believe you were the uh, graduate of the first graduating class, right, of the school. So she's been there since the very beginning of um, what we call UGST. Uh, and I went there in 2005 and met Fiona. She was an alumni already. And we just clicked as friends. You know how they say there's some people you feel like, have I really just met you? Like we feel like, and now it's been, you know, 15 years of friendship. Um, and she's become more of a sister friend as we have uh, called each other uh, in the past. And that just, you know, kind of uh, demonstrates the type of friendship we have. And my kids know her as Aunt Fifi. I said, Aunt Fifi's going to be on Friday night with friends tonight. And Kale goes, she's coming here? So Kale's my three-year-old son. So she, he, he thought you were coming here, but I told him, well, in a sense, through the screen. <laughs> so I could say so much more about Fiona. She's visited us out here, my family out here after we moved. And um, just been a really dear friend to me and I appreciate her so much. So I'm going to enjoy having her on tonight and I know you all will too. Um, so Fiona, you come on Fiona, say hi. Hello. Hello. Look, I even brought my coffee. She gave me this mug and I brought some cheers through the screen. There you go. Yep. Is this right coffee. Now? Yeah, that's all right. We're both coffee drinkers. We enjoy that. So we often get on, on FaceTime and get a cup of coffee and chat. But tonight I asked Fiona to come on because in about the year long that we've had Friday Night with Friends, we've had a handful of counselors on. And um, Fiona is in that field now. That's where she's landed in, in the last uh, few years or so. Um, but Fiona's, you know, counseling has is a vast field, lots of emphasis, emphasis, emphases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, a yeah, lot of different specialties people can have. And Fiona specialized in something called play therapy. In a sense, it is what it sounds like, but it's also like, what do you mean by play therapy? And I just thought it would be kind of fun and really interesting to hear more about, about play therapy and you know, tell us about, a, a kind of define it for us, maybe Fiona, and then maybe tell us kind of in, in general what, a, what, what it looks like to go to a therapist that, uh, in which your therapy is play. So I'm gonna hand the, the uh, mic over to Fiona for now, and we'll just have fun uh, hearing about this special field of counseling. Um, so I, so I've been really excited, um, to be here, like, yes, so excited. Um, and so I have to say one of the things that, um, that I appreciate about Meg and my friendship with her is that, um, it, and I, and I had, and I had the thoughts in my brains and then my brain, then I lost my brains. Um, but just being able to be in without judgment and just, just being able to be a friend. So 
Um, but play therapy. Um, so I guess, so let me, let me t- tell a little bit about how I got into play therapy. Cause it was kind of like, kind of like social work when I was in college. I just kind of mm-hmm. fell into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when I, when I got my license in, um, my, when I became fully licensed in 2017, um, I switched from clinical case management to therapy and I was working with kids, like all kids. And I remember telling my, my director, yeah, so let me work with five to 11 and then 25 and up because I just wanted to like miss that whole, you know, teenage, teenage. (laughs) I love them now. I love them now, but I was like, what am I going to do with teenagers? But I remember, so, so I was sitting in my office and, and I had just, and I had just started, um, providing therapy and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I guess I'll just get a deck of Uno cards and we'll play Uno. And so, you know, and just play games and I'm like, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing, but this feels like it should be something that I should be doing. Um, and so then, so, so I found a, I found a play therapy certificate program and it was, it just felt like my therapy home. Like, this is what, this is what it's all about. And it was, and it kept, it kept me feeling from feeling like I was drowning, but it also gave me, it also gave me a passion. Um, and and so, you know, as time went on, I was like, this is so way cool, you know, and so play therapy is basically taking toys and the toys are kids words because the language of kids is play. Mm. And, and, and I tell, and I tell people often that, you know, we have like a three, four and five-year-old and we're like, tell me what's wrong. What's wrong? Why are you crying? What's wrong? They don't know most likely they don't know, but you give them toys and they're more likely to play it out. And you can, and so you can get so much information from, you know, just from how they're, you know, how they're playing and, um, and relationships heal relationships. And so the play, oops, I'm sorry, guys. Um, that's okay relationships heal relationships and so the play is the therapy a lot of times you might do some talking and kind of you know digging into what's going on but the play is a therapy um so yeah so I so I've become really passionate about it and then um and so I spent from 2017, so three years, 2017 to 2020, doing traditional play therapy, what we now call traditional play therapy, because I was one of those play therapists that I am not doing play therapy by telehealth. Like I would, I was, you know, I would read and I would hear people talking about doing play therapy by telehealth. I'm like, what are they crazy? You can't and do telehealth. Just in case people aren't familiar, what is telehealth? Okay, so telehealth is basically, so if we were in a therapy session right now, it's synchronous communication, either by video or phone. 
Um, but it's usually by video. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I was like, you won't ever see me doing a play therapy session on video. Not going to happen. Well, then COVID-19 hit. Mm-mm. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm doing. So, you know, so then, you know, it's kind of like going back three years and feeling like I was drowning, you know? So what did I do? I just did what I knew to do, you know, and just kept trying to do, you know, the traditional stuff that I was doing, which works and is good, but I needed something else because I'm going to be honest, I was getting burnt out because I was like, I was, you know, I was, I was, it was, it was almost, it felt like I was shifting my focus. Um, and so it was a different modality. And so then, so, um, so I was like, what am I going to do? I feel like I'm drowning. And the, and so there's lots of things on play therapy that you can do. One of them is, is, is a sanitary therapy and, and I use it, I use it from, I think my youngest is four all the way up to adults. And Santray is like, you mean in a session, a, a, a client is using like their fingers or an instrument in sand, like a little sandbox. So, yeah. So, it, so you have, um, and I don't have a picture of, of my, of my Santray, but tradi- traditional Santray, you have like a box of, you have a Table. You have sand mm-hmm. and you have you know you have you have symbols or miniatures or different people call them different things but you can have people like create the world they can they can make pictures to represent what's going on and so it 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 very much gets into the subconscious because it gives you the it gives you the words that you might not even have the words for um, and things can, and things can come out that you might not even have the words for and that you don't even realize what's going on. Right. Okay. Let me ask a quick question. So I'm thinking about the types of tools that a play therapist has. Okay. They, they, you're describing things that, um, like, like almost like kind of like toys, you know, a play therapist uses these tools. So I know you said some of your clients are younger um, and we associate playing with younger, but would you use the same tools uh, in a play therapy session for adults, for an adult session? Yeah, I mean, depending. Sometimes you would, depending depending on what's going on. Now, so... Or is play therapy for adults? Yeah, I use so Santray is a is like a is a part of play is is a part of play therapy. So Santray, um, I I can see where so I have a dollhouse in my office. I can see where a dollhouse can be used for adults. Um, Santray can be used for adults. Um, I also have toy guns and toy shields and toy swords and. All kinds of stuff and I have like lots of bouncy toys because my younger kids like like the sensory stuff so um you know for the for the kids that have a lot of energy and aggression fun times fun times so um yeah so 
I got sidetracked, I think. I lost okay, well, I had, I had asked about, you were describing the sand tray okay. and um, just the different tools that you use um, in play therapy, because I was asking if it, if it, um, if adults also use the same tools as you would for kids in order to, to, to kind of uh, move yeah. through a therapy session. But um, kind of traveling back to how you became, are you getting some tools to show us? I am. I knew it. She's gonna get, I thought, oh, I wonder if she could show us some. I didn't even think about it before. Okay. So travel, um, okay, so. Meet Princess Fiona. Oh, of course. Yes, Princess Fiona. She has helped me so much. And I also have a friend, Sam, that has experienced every single emotion and every single thing that every kid has ever experienced. So yeah. That's so sweet. I wanna ask some questions about that, but I'm gonna wait for our audience to give some questions. I don't wanna take some of the ones that might pop up, but if it doesn't come up, then I'll ask later. Okay. Um, oh, I love that. It felt like children's church right there. Right? Remember the puppet ministry? I was in puppet ministry. Uh-huh. Bring and back the puppet that was before. Yeah, that was before I ever became a play therapist. Oh, that's awesome. So um, uh, I guess also when thinking about what play therapy, because for our audience, if this is kind of a new, like, what do you mean play therapy? Um, or for parents, you know, or even for adults that you might encounter, um, mm -hmm. and this is the first time hearing of this kind of therapy, what kinds of things do you find are important to help inform people about what you do and why? Um, I, so I have this conversation a lot and, you know, because, and I've had, you know, I've had people say, well, it's just play. It's, it's more, it's more than that. It's not just play. It's, you know, it, it's, it's taking knowledge and, and experience and, and help and helping somebody walk through their journey to bring healing. And, you know, and I've had people say, you know, I think we should talk more. We should talk more. We should talk more, which, you know, and because sometimes what I find a lot is that kids aren't able to talk yet. I mean, they can talk, but like they're kind of stuck in their emotion brain versus their logic brain. And so when they're dysregulated or what we would call maybe a tantrum or a meltdown, they're stuck in their emotion brain and they can't think logically. And so for us to say, tell me why you're crying, what's going on, what's going on, you know, or if, you know, you've had, had someone who's, you know, experienced trauma, they're going to be stuck in that emotion brain for a while. And so you've got to regulate them before they, and teach them the words before they can actually have the words and know the words. Um, and so, and so that's what, that's what I was really kind of struggling with when COVID hit, because it, it felt like a lot of the toy, a lot of the tools that I had, 
I didn't have access to because I wasn't going to my off. I wasn't going to my office. I wasn't, you know, so moving everything from my office to my home office was like a whole transition in itself. Mm-hmm, I you, know? Um, you know, what, what do I take? What do I leave? You know, that sort of thing. But um, so in the process of, of thinking, I'm not going to be able to do sand trade with people. What am I going to do? Because sand trade is my, I love, I love sand trade. It's, probably my favorite because I do it I I do it for myself too and so it's it's very it's very relaxing um and and I've actually done same tray in in my own therapy sessions too so um so I really believe in it and I was like you know what am I going to do and I was I was in a therapist group and I and I came across um the virtual Saint Trey app that was co-created by Dr. Jessica Stone and her husband, Chris. And it was like the most transformational thing. So I can say that finding play therapy in general was, was a profession changer and a life changer, but finding the virtual Saint Trey app was is, is like another milestone because not only did it open, it opened my eyes to being able to do sand tray, it opened my eyes to a whole nother modality that, you know, if you would have asked me two or three years ago, you ask people that know me, Fiona doesn't play video games, <laughs> you know, and, 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 did, and using digital tools, kind of like, no, not, no, we just need, you know, we just need the traditional, but in reality, we need all of it because we're living in a digital world and we make connections with people. So, so I met Dr. Jessica Stone and, and, and then, you know, and Dr. Rachel Altvader has also done a lot of work in using digital tools in, in therapy and have Dr. Stone has written like three or four books, I think. Um, I know two digital tools, um, one integrating um, uh, video games or integrating technology into session and then digital play in the digital play therapy book. So, um, so that just kind of opened the door. You're like, oh, you can make a connection you know, with people digitally, it is possible because, um, so through, so there, them, let me just stop to, to connect the dots. So before COVID you're calling traditional play therapy was, you know, in person with physical tools, like a sand tray, puppets, yeah. ball, yeah. things like that. When COVID hit, obviously you had to move to sessions that were through you know, through the computer or telehealth is what I know a lot of medical um, in counseling services, you know, a lot of people used it because of COVID that everyone went to a digital uh, format. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the Dr. Jessica and Dr. Rachel had um, digital play therapy tools, you know, provided for play therapists, because, you know, obviously you can't, you weren't with people in session. So how were you doing? They changed how you did therapy. 
So Dr. Stone, so Dr. Stone has been talking about using digital tools and digital play therapy. So digital play therapy, the term digital play therapy is actually a term that she, in a modality that she came up with and has really trailblazed the whole, you know, the whole um, modality of, of using digital tools from anywhere from apps to um, um, tabletop board games to, you know, puppets digitally. Um, and so you've really relied on this mm-hmm. for your yeah. counseling sessions this whole past year. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the beginning, especially in the beginning, because it was like, oh my goodness, what do I do? You know, and, and through this, and not only, not only was I given tools, I was also given relationships because I've built relationships with, with, you know, with both of them. And, and then even having a small group of, I told them that I wasn't going to call them out by name. So um, if they're going to watch, they are officially called out right now. Um, But we have, we have a small group that we play video games together mm-hmm. and, 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 it, and it's become more than just playing. It's, it, we, we've actually been a support for each other during COVID, you know, and I've not met any of them in person. I've, I've met, I've met them by zoom, but I've never met them in person, but there's still that connection there. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still a part of each other's daily life. And we just met, well, we didn't, we met, you know, probably in May or June of 2020. So it hasn't even been a year yet. Um, Look at that. Right. Cool. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. It, well, so, I was going to ask you, I, I know, is, is your background part of the, is your background part of um, the game? Okay, so no, the background is not part of the game. The background is actually the virtual sanitary app. Oh, and oh that's it. Okay. And so this is something that I created on the app. Um, as So this was like my, um, this was my my self-care of like, okay, I need, I need some calm. So let me create that calm. And cause I love water. I love the beach. I love lighthouses and I love coffee. So, you know, so it's all. So that's what the virtual sand tray app does is it, you, you, you create scenes. Is it all scenes? Can you do other things on there? Can you create like so do we have time for me to screen share? People? Yeah, let's let's just see it. Let's just try it. Why not? Okay. Give me just a second. So this is one of the tools you use in therapy with your clients. Yes. And yeah. I use this from kids to adults. Mm-hmm. And um this is um this is the tool that Dr. Jessica Stone and her husband Chris created. Wow. So I lovingly and and I lovingly call them both geniuses. <laughs> well, timing couldn't have been better uh, for this type of thing to become available for 
you know, therapists through a screen with clients. I mean, yeah, amazing. And the amazing thing about it is that they actually created it in 2011 for um, the tsunami in Japan. Mm. And so then therapists in Japan, in Japan could do sand tray and then it went public in 2015. And then here we are 2020 needing it, you know? Yeah. When we can't meet in person. Yeah. It was very visionary, very visionary. Yeah, usually around, it's 728 right now, my computer, usually around 730, we go ahead and start taking questions from our um, audience tonight. So that's fine. It, I, I mean, I'm sure people would love to see it in action and then we'll move to questions. I will move really quickly. Oh, that's fine. It's, it's cool. Fiona's okay. well-versed with technology here. <laughs> So ooh, this ooh. is the actual, yeah, so this is the actual tray. And so um, you can, um, you can dig down three levels. And then, so then you have a liquid level. Um, you can build up. You can paint different things. Um, let's see. You can choose different things. Oh, wow. You can create your own little world. Yeah. And this helps, this helps kids or adults, um, you know, kind of yeah. talk or kind of whatever it brings yeah. up for a client yeah. to talk kind of openly and in a, you know, in yeah. safety. Yeah. Yep. And that you is can, cool. Yeah, and you can change the um, you can change the background and to change the mood and yeah, it's. It, Do it's, they have control over um, you know, there were or are you putting it together? So there is. So there they with 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 COVID they created a remote feature. Oh. So so the client can connect remotely if they have like an iPad or an iPhone. And so they have complete control over it. And then I can see what they're doing on the screen on my iPad. That's and you can cool. connect up to eight people. Oh, wow. Groups. So, yeah, I was going to say you can do group therapy. Um, I think it really helped to see an example of what you meant by virtual sound tray. Um, because yeah, it's kind of like wrapping our minds around, well, what does she mean? But I, that's awesome. It, that really helped to see the visual. Um, Erica, you are we doing, oh, and we can still use puppets and use virtual saint right? It can be a both and, and not an either or. Yes, of course. Yay. More tools in the tool belt that can't hurt. Um, yeah. Erica, are we, are we good for questions or do we want, how are we doing? Um, I've got a couple already. Okay. So let me give me a second. Let me open this wire. Um, what do you look for in terms of your client's successful progress in play therapy? How is a parent or guardian involved? Um, so I'll go, so I'll start with the first one. Um, it, it really starts with the presenting concern or the presenting issue. 
and looking for um, for changes in the themes of play. Like if if I have somebody who's coming in mm. where um, you know they're really dysregulated, whether it's aggression or just high energy, um, and and this is a very simplified version of what goes on, but just moving from aggression to calm would be one example of, of a shift in progress. Um, and how do I, so I involve the parents or guardian. I do primarily family therapy, especially with the younger kids. So we get to have family play therapy. Oh, yeah. So it's, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been really powerful to be able to, to see, um, to see families learn how to play together and learn how to interact together. Um, both traditionally, mm-hmm. both traditionally and digitally, um, because you can have the same, you can have the same dynamics. Um, have you seen a parent say, no, again, like play, we think we automatically just think of kids like play that's okay for kids, but so have you seen, I can see parents being fine with their child and play therapy, but have you seen a, a parent or parents uh, when you involve them be kind of resistant to play therapy, uh, but then watching them kind of accept it, you know, because of maybe the results they're seeing either in the child or as the, a, a unit? Um. So I've seen less of that with with the the traditional play because traditional play, we're used to it. We're used to playing board games. We're used to doing all these things. Um, And and even, I don't, I wouldn't say that I've really had a lot of kickback, Um, even with with using digital tools because that's where we are. because I, I really try, um, I really try to front load that all the whole conversation of kind of what, you know, and I use the example, so we can't, you can't take the kids out. You can't take the kids out of the bubble and say, okay, fix the kids and then put them back in the bubble and expect things to be any different because the, the dynamics in the system haven't changed. Um, so I, I really start, especially with the younger kids, I start from the very beginning, um, usually with family sessions. So that, so that kind of curtails that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, in what kinds of situations would a young child be referred to you for play therapy? Um, I work a lot, I, I work with um, a lot of adoption and trauma, um, anxiety, um, depression, um, pretty much in, I, I see, I see a whole spectrum of things. Um, I work a lot with um, autistic kids um, and some autistic adults as well. Um, and play therapy has been great. Um, for, for kids who, with autism. Um, uh, are most of your sh- sessions one-on-one or are they group sessions? 
Um, it really depends on the situation. Um, I try to do as much family sessions as possible because, um, because that's where I found the most success success. Um, and you know, and there might be times where I have to do individual and then, but, but most, most of my caregivers and most of my parents know from the very beginning that even if we're working individually right now, um, cause I work from an attachment based focus. And so, um, my caregivers and my parents know that from the beginning that we're probably going to be moving towards family therapy at some point, because if, if I'm not, if, if I'm, I, mm. if I'm not teaching the parents, the skills and, and help and and working to help repair the, the relationship, then they'll be coming back, which is fine. You know, if you want to come back, but you know, um, I think it's important to give people as many tools as they, as they can. Um, okay. Now I have another question to just go off what you just said. Can you explain what, um, attachment based focus is? Um, so it, so it's a focus on the relationship and it's, it doesn't, and from my perspective, every relationship has what we call a rupture or a better word that people might be more familiar with is conflict. And so when, when there's that conflict, you focus on the relationship. I talk a lot about, especially, um, I talk a lot about co-regulation because if, you know, a lot of times what happens, what I see happen is parents um, where kids are dysregulated and so in 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 an attempt to um, calm them down they be, the parent or the caregiver becomes dysregulated so you have a kid that's up here and then the parent comes up here and then the kid goes up here and then the kids go down here it sounded like my morning <laughs> mine too sometimes right so then everybody everybody's escalated and the caregiver is is what I call like a a thermos, uh, a thermometer instead of a thermostat. And so that attachment approach focuses more on becoming the thermostat and becoming that co-regulation and that co-regulator. Okay. So, um, another question is what is the most common issues referred to you and what is most successful to remediate? Um, so I see, I see a lot of adoption. I see a lot of trauma. Um, I see a lot of anxiety. Um, I, um, in the recent past, I've worked a lot with, um, high conflict divorce. I try to stay out of that. Um, but, um, I was going to ask Fiona, cause that was similar to another question we just had. And I, I thought of a something to ask and then it left me but now I remember again um uh the counselors that we've had on in, in previous broadcasts one of the common questions has been you know um have you seen an increase in cases and you know just the impact of COVID on mental health in general and then the influx of um clients for counselors but you mentioned anxiety depression and since you work so, I know you don't work solely with 
children, but mm -hmm. since you, that, that is a big uh, portion of your clients, um, with things like virtual school and not being in school and just the whole upset of COVID, has there even been an influx for you of uh, children patients for anxiety, depression? Because, I mean, I don't know if we can directly yeah. link things, but because of COVID? Um, yeah, and it's in, and, it, and I've seen a progression because it seemed for, for my, for my caseload, the, the families that were a little bit more resilient in the beginning were really thriving. But then as time, as time went on, that resilience kind of, um, that resilience kind of decreased. Um, and yeah, and, and two, what I've seen now, I'm, um, what, what I've seen, at least in my area, is that um, a good number of the therapists are actually leaving the field because of their own burnout um, and um, either leaving the field or not taking as many clients and so decreasing their caseload. They've got to go somewhere, um, you know, because whether the whether the whether there's been an increase in people seeking seeking therapy, I don't know. Um, but I know my caseload is full all the time. So, um, and so I think, it, you know, I think it, it's it kind of gets tricky, right? Because we want to be positive and we want to, and, and we want to, and, and we want to be always positive and being always positive isn't really, um, helpful help. Right. Like that toxic okay. positivity. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, so I think it's important for us to recognize that people are struggling and even therapists are struggling. Um, I'm not going to lie. There's times, especially, you know, the first three months, I barely left my house. Yeah. I was struggling, you know. Um, and so I had to go back to the office, even if I was still only doing telehealth. I had to go back to the office for my own mental health. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's the real, that's real, real place people are in. Okay, um, got a couple more questions. Um, do you do any trauma training to groups, from, for example, like church or educators? I do. Um, so, um, right now, I'm doing a tra I'm doing um, trainings on using digital tools um, and therapy. Um, I'm happy to tailor trainings for churches. Um, and just in educators, because I think it's important. Um, one of the things that I've found is um, in schools is that it, it's, they try to be trauma informed, but they were, they weren't trained to be therapists. They were trained to be teachers, you know? And so, um, so I have seen a lot of need for that. So yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, and then what is the risk of misreading something that is happening through play if, or is, is there any risks? There's risk in, in misinterpreting words. Um, so, 
Um, I would say, you know, one of the things is that, um, you know, you just kind of watch it and see if it's a theme. And I mean, and you can't, and, and when I say play, I don't, I'm not saying don't use words at all, because I mean, you know, we have to use words sometimes, but, um, and, you know, kind of figuring out like, you know, what, um, what it means. Um, and especially with sand tray, because I think it's, it's so easy to misinterpret that, um, it means what the, it means what the client says it means. If they say it doesn't mean anything, then it doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, but, and also still looking for things and, you know, assessing for safety. Okay. And this question is kind of pertaining to, um, split families. So, um, if there's what, uh, pertaining to divorce, so if there's a family that has two separate structures, um, what's the best way to help, um, the child or children understand the difference between the different, you know, different environments, like going from dad's house or to mom's house? Do you have anything you would recommend? I think, I think the important thing is, and is that there's at least some semblance of sameness, if, if that makes sense, because, um, you know, and, and really, and not, and this isn't always possible, but really trying to work together in the best interest of the child to make sure that, you know, that there's, that there's stability. Um, and um, so that's where, in those situations, that's where like co-parenting, maybe co-parenting therapy would help. Um, and if I'm the one doing the co-parenting therapy, then I would meet with both of them together to figure out what common ground we could have and kind of go from there because parents are going to parent differently. We just don't want it to be harmful for the kids. Um, you know, um, if that isn't possible is, do you think it'll be hard for a child or children to adapt to diff the different structures from different households? If there isn't a common ground. I think it makes it, I think it makes things more challenging because divorce is already challenging. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, I think it does definitely make it more challenging. Um, you know, and, you know, figure in, in having, making sure, you know, cause we don't have control over other people, right? We only have control over what we do and, and what we say. Um, but making sure, you know, that, um, that your attachment and your relationship with the kids is healthy, um, that, and that co-regulation, that healthy relationship is going to go a long way, um, to help the, to help the child. Um, okay. Um, what is your favorite age to help with therapy? Or do you have one? I do. I like the little kids. I like the little kids. Um, I would say, so I would say probably five to 11, but I do have some teens that I really like working with too. So, um, so I, I let somebody else work with the parents as far as <laughs> their own individual therapy. <laughs> so are you using play to access what's going on? 
or teach the use of play in itself as a tool for coping or both? Both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right now, I don't have any other questions so far. Well, Fiona, was there anything else you wanted to uh, include as far as informing us about, you know, the type of, um, you know, what play therapy is? Is there anything that, that you feel you had to leave out because we moved to questions? I'm going to ask you first. No. Actually, I have a question. You know what I will say? So um, this wasn't this wasn't brought up, but um, with using digital tools, um, it, you know, it, it's a fine balance, you know, because I was thinking about, you know, balance and how, you know, and somebody had asked about, um, you know, kickback, I guess, about using play therapy. I think um, the common question, and I actually get more kickback from other therapists about, you know, mm. so much screen time, so much this, so much, you know, so much that, and um, it's, I think it's important to have a balance and not to, not to cancel it out just because it's, it's not, it's not something that we're used to or that we're familiar with. Um, because the kids languages play and, and, and that's part of, you know, that's part of get, going into the kids, the, you know, the child's world saying, Hey, I'm interested in what you're interested in. Um, you know, and so I, and, you know, so I may not get it. I may not know how to play the game, but kids love to teach you how to play, you know? Oh yeah. So. I actually have a question. It's a personal question about, okay. um, so, okay. I'm going to totally put one of my children on blast, but I'm not going to say the name. So one of my kids, when they get frustrated or frustrated at themselves, they literally shut down mm -hmm. and just shut down, mm -hmm. uh, run away and literally puts themselves in a corner and shuts down. And when I've tried to ask them questions to get you know, try to figure out what's going on. Um, they just literally don't say anything. I don't know if that's just part of our family, they but probably, um, <laughs> they've probably what I call flipped their lid. So they're, even though it's in, so, and it's easier to recognize flipping our lid when it's outward, right? When, you know, yelling, screaming, and tantrum and meltdown. But when kids internalize it, they're, they've also flipped their lid and they're also dysregulated is just internalized. And so um, in that moment, I wouldn't talk to them. I, you know, um, and, and so that, that I can't really give specific advice, but in general, if, you know, if, if they're dysregulated like that, I would just kind of let it go and just let, you know, um, let them know that you're there. And it's that co-regulation piece, right? It's that, you know, and then let them get out of their emotion brain and then talk about it. Okay. And then another question came up. Is it difficult to communicate regarding your clients with other healthcare professionals who do not have a counseling or psych background? 
No. Um, so I work with, so I actually have an eight. Um, I work with like a lot of occupational therapists, um, a lot of um, pediatricians and stuff. Um, and because I spent, I spent um, several years working in community mental health. So it was very much of a team approach. And so I think that really helped me to be able to more easily um, communicate with other professionals. And right now I have nothing else. <laughs> That's fine. I wanted to just kind of, we're coming up to the uh, top of the hour anyway, coming up to eight o'clock. East Coast time. And um, one thing, Fiona, I was thinking about when we started talking about uh, what you would come on and mm -hmm. speak to us about. Fiona is, she's a lifelong learner. And uh, she, there are so many things we could have tapped into tonight from Fiona. She's just like a wealth of, you know, wisdom and knowledge. And um, you know, so I thought about what to ask you to come on and speak to us about. And I felt like, as I've talked to you in this past year, you know, you talked about this transition from what you're calling traditional therapy tools, in-person things that we can touch and, and, and watch and, you know, it going through th from that to through screen therapy, through a screen, a, 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 you know, disconnected from one another as, as far as being in person and, and physically and learning. I mean, I remember us talking about like, how do you, how are you going to do your type of therapy through a screen? You know, are you going to lose your clients? Are, you know, we talked about these things. What, what's going to happen to your career field? You know what, there were big questions during COVID, but these digital tools obviously have, um, uh, become, you know, lifesavers in, in uh, the way that you practice, you know, your therapy with your clients and opened up a whole door, you know, mm -hmm. whole world of tools to use. I know when we were talking this week about this topic, we talked about how, okay, telehealth and digital tools, um, your digit, this play therapy, is it going to disappear after COVID? you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, including myself are going hybrid. Yeah. You know? And, and that's the thing too, you know, about the digital tools is that they're, you know, they're, they're helpful, um, for telehealth and they can be used in person. I use it. I use the virtual sanitary app in person. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I do have, you know, I do have a few people that I see in person, but, um, the video games can be played in person. Um, the apps can be played in person. And so it, yeah, none of it is going away. It, none of it's going away. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of talk about the hybrid model, you know, and what, and what that looks like. I think that that's just neat uh, to hear about because in brief, and Erica said she has one more question, so I'll let her round us out here. But, you know, in brief, this is what uh, was produced basically out of COVID, the COVID environment for our church, Newark UPC, in using a digital platform for our services for almost a year now. Yeah. We have not gone back to in-person services 
at all. Uh, many churches have, and we have decided to just take this digital platform, you know, by the reins and run with it. And in the same way that the counseling world is not planning on doing away with digital tools, um, Newark UPC is not uh, doing away with our digital platform. How it's used, what comes through it, those things will shift uh, and, and the purpose might change, but it's here to stay. And so it's neat to hear of these other digital tools and other, uh, you know, disciplines and other contexts being um, kind of uh, revealed and, you know, and used and seeing a use for them ongoing. So it's not, you know, we, we talked about how it's not a substitute. This isn't a substitute. You know, yeah. these are tools that are going to be helpful moving forward. Yeah. It's um, Erica, go ahead. Not, it's definitely not an either or. It's a both and, you know. Right. Um, because I've had, oh, yeah. you know, I've had, you know, people be really concerned. Oh, you know, they, um, you know, they just focus too much on, you know, digital tools. And when they come into my office, I have it sitting out there. They don't touch it. You know. Yeah. Well, that's neat. That's neat to kind of hear the plans for moving mm -hmm. past COVID. Yeah. Um, but Erica, go ahead and round us out. Okay, so uh, there's two actually, but I can combine them. Did you say the youngest age of children that you work with is like four? Is it the youngest you've done? I have seen as young as three. Um, yeah. Okay, and then the final question. Um, do you have any stories to tell about Dr. Beersley? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he is. So he was my instructor for church history, and you have him for just church history. Is that is that all you took from him? Yeah, that was all. <laughs> that was, that was enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now we're beating up. Go ahead, tell your story. Love you, Doctor Bandling. Um. So yeah, so he so he was my. Um, he was my church history instructor and so yeah we had we had a lot of lively conversations about dating in church history <laughs> and his perspective on dating um and then oh and his work y'all was no joke yeah they our church is familiar with the stories of, of the assignments yeah. that he had had I will, say, I will say i ended up with an a in the class i think Oh, that's great. Better than me. I got a B plus. Maybe even a B, but yeah, it was no joke. Ah. Oh, that's so great. Mm -hmm. That's so great. Um, well, we're just a couple minutes away and uh, I think that's probably a, a laugh is a good thing to end on. Um, but I just want to thank you, Fiona, for coming on and sharing uh, this kind of unique area um, and especially the things that uh, were came out of COVID-19 for your field um, and how just, it's just neat to hear about, about, about uh, you know, things we're not super familiar with. You know, this is kind of a new area that I hadn't heard of and it's been really interesting learning about that, you know, in our chats and when we, we chat, you know, from time to time and Appreciate everybody coming on the broadcast this evening. I hope you enjoyed our broadcast tonight. And just as a reminder, um, we do uh, meet 7 p.m. 
uh, right here uh, uh, six nights a week, Tuesday through Sunday. And I thank everybody for their contributions tonight. Thank you, Erica, for feeding us our questions. Hope everyone has a happy and safe weekend and we'll see you tomorrow night.